Christ is risen. And that is the simple of my message today. But in true dance fashion, I'm going to pack it out a little bit. So um, let's have a look. Um, because of all that Jesus did, because all, of the, all that he endured on the cross, and after those three days, rising from the dead, we get to stand in victory. We get to stand in victory. We've been looking over the whole of Lent, standing in different attributes of faith. And today we get to stand in victory. But when I thought initially and originally about this series, about what it is that we stand in, and then wanting to come and talk about standing in victory on, on Easter, I had no idea that the place that we would be as a church, I had, I had no idea about the sadness and the grief that I would be feeling, the added realization that there are people that I know, that you probably know, who are not going to get to hear the truth of Easter, even if they go to churches today. Because some churches are not teaching the truth. Churches near and churches far. And that's really this, this truth that we want to look at. The truth of the resurrection. That what, what gets us to be able to stand in victory um, is best summed up, I feel. Yes, in the, in the Easter story. Yes, in, in what Fern shared with us. But if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn along, I'm going to really concentrate on uh, chapter 15 of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And sadly, sadly still, the things that Paul talks about, the things that Paul has written about here, they're sadly, they're still rife within congregations of faith, within leaders of church today. The things that Paul is, is coming against and, and, and the passage starts with, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand. The good news. The good news that Paul has proclaimed, that all of the apostles have proclaimed, that Jesus' brother James has been proclaiming. That the first evangelists, the women who went to the tomb that Fern told us about just now, they proclaimed that first Easter morning. They, found to the, they went to the tomb. Jesus wasn't there. They discovered, oh, Jesus is alive. Jesus has been resurrected. That's the good news that Paul has taken to the church in Corinth. That is the good news that they had received. And he is reminding them of that. Because some of them are starting to forget it. The gospel 
the whole gospel, it hangs on the physical resurrection of Jesus. It's the basis of the good news. It's a simple, foundational aspect of what it is to have a Christian faith. And Paul here is opening up this chapter, and he's taking this time to remind the church in Corinth, this is what I proclaim to you. Don't move away from it. And then we read in to verse 2. And we read that it is the resurrection of Jesus, the specific physical resurrection of Jesus, which Paul was proclaiming. And that's the substance, uh, the substance through which we are told that the church in Corinth is being saved. That's what verse 2 says. But it's not just them, it's not just that church, that, that congregation. It's all congregations of faith. It's us too. The substance through which we are being saved is Christ's resurrection. At least it should be what we believe. We've got to hold firmly to that message of the good news. We've got to share this message of good news. Unless that is what Paul says, unless that is, we have come to believe in vain. Verse 3 makes the point that Paul writes that he's really, he's, he's handed on that which had been received. Yet Jesus met him, told him the truth, and he's given it to those who he meets. And it's clear, he says, it is of first importance. It's, it's the foundation. It's the first thing that you should tell. Um, if faith were a football game, then, well, you'd have no game of football if you didn't have a kickoff. Okay? And so you can't have a faith without the physical resurrection of Jesus. The physical resurrection of Jesus is the kickoff for faith. Because without it, there isn't a faith. He says in verse 3, For I handed unto you, as of first importance, what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And then it goes on in verse 4, And that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the Scriptures. Christ died for you. He was buried. He was actually dead, and he was buried. And then on the third day, I think it's beautifully put in verse 55, and I'm not going to go through every verse... <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to jump around, but the, the essence of it all is there. But in verse, starting in verse 55 of this chapter, Jesus is resurrected. And the question Paul asks, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin. But thanks to God, 
who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, be immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Okay, this chapter, this, this whole section of Paul's letter, which is centering on resurrection, on the resurrection of Christ, and on the resurrection of those who believe in Christ, it starts with a plea to not live in vain, and it ends in a plea to not be laboring or living in vain. And today, it's Easter Sunday, yes, we're remembering that third day. That third day on which Christ was raised from the dead. A day that shows that the tomb is not the end. A day which shows that the story wasn't over then and it isn't over now. J. Wilbur Chapman, a pastor from many, many, many years ago, around 1910, I think, but I, I can't promise you I know the date specifically. Um, he penned a hymn called One Day. And you might have heard a kind of modern rendition of it from Casting Crowns. But he wrote, One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose out of death he had conquered, now he ascended, my Lord, evermore. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. And rising, he justified freely forever. One day is coming, O oh, glorious day. And that's the point that Paul is getting at in the whole of this chapter. That's the point that Peter has been preaching, that James has been preaching. All of the apostles had the same message, the same good news. Jesus Christ resurrected. The Messiah. The Son of God. See, they all declare the same thing. They all proclaim but the only difference, the only difference that can be found in the whole of Scripture is whether or not people choose to believe it or not. The message doesn't change. It's a person's response to the message, which is the only difference we will see. And the church in Corinth, it's surrounded by a culture which is... which finds it hard to believe in resurrection. Okay, Surrounded by uh, many different pagan religions, which all, with the possibility of maybe one exception, didn't believe in resurrection. Okay, Many Jewish people didn't believe in resurrection. And one kind of prominent, rather powerful body, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in resurrection. And I remember a really, really bad joke that someone once told me. And I'm sure you've all heard it. But that's why they're sad, you see. And they, I know they were pity laughs, and I do appreciate them. 
but I, I gave you plenty of warning that it was a bad joke. But I remember it from my, my younger days. See, the importance of what Paul is getting at here is, is really key for all of us to grasp. Because by resurrection, Paul isn't talking about some kind of afterlife meaning. He's not talking about a, a, a term which was maybe used by lots of different religions at the time of, of what happens after someone dies. No. He's explicitly talking about the resurrection of someone who has died, who now has a new body, and there's going to return to a, an embodied life, which is not that dissimilar to what they presently knew, here as they walk the earth today, or then as they walk the, the earth. Resurrection is receiving a new body, a body that's going to be very similar to the body that you have now. It's going to still bear some of those scars that you carry with you now. Yeah? You think the, the disciples didn't recognize Jesus at first because he was in his resurrected state. But his resurrected state still held the holes in his hands and his feet and the spear saw slit in his side. Okay, so it's not that you get to do whatever you want with your body right now because you're going to get a new one. Yes, you're going to get a resurrected body, but it's going to resemble the one that you have now. And what Paul does here, as he opens up the chapter, he starts to share the story. And he starts to share the story at how it relates to Peter how that story relates to James, to the other apostles. And then he shows how it relates to himself. And he reminds the church in Corinth of their place in the story. And I wanted today to remind you of your place in the story. To take a moment and think, ask yourself, what is my place in this story? What's my place in history, or if you break that word up, what's my place in his story? Because history is God's story. It is his story. Let me remind you of the good news that Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen from the grave. He's alive. And Paul goes on to talk about the importance of the resurrection. On how all who believe in Jesus Christ, that they too will receive resurrection. That they too will one day be raised. See, resurrection has got to be a reality for all of those who profess to have a Christian faith. It's not some pie-in-the-sky idea. Paul isn't just bringing it out of his back pocket and going, yeah, well, it's just something I think. No, it's a truth. It's a fact. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are brought into relationship with Christ. We are brought into a living knowledge of God, of his love for us, and we receive a place in his kingdom because we declare his son to be the king. Because we declare Jesus to be the Messiah. See, there's no point. There's no point in being 
a Christian, in professing to be a Christian, if, if we don't get a firm grasp on this very basic fact. If we're not able to grasp it and hold it tightly with both hands. Yeah, we don't want to hold on to some things too tightly, but this thing we need to hold on. We need to hold on with dear life. Because it is life-giving. It's the solid rock on which you get to stand. And frankly, if believing in the resurrection of Jesus and believing that you too will be resurrected isn't in your locker, then you're not standing on rock. You're standing on sand. You're standing on something that will be washed away beneath you and will cause you to fall. Verse 12 through 14, they go on to say, they go on to say that now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And if therefore there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain. There's that word again. In vain, if it's not the case. And your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we have testified that God raised Christ, whom he did, that he didn't raise. And then, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. So then all those who have died in Christ have perished. If the dead are not raised, then Christ wasn't raised. And if Christ wasn't raised, then the dead cannot be raised. Some questions in my mind as I think on these stuff is for you to answer. But is there or is there not a kingdom of God? Is Christ the king of the cosmos? Yes or no? See, the sadness and the grief that I began to speak about at the beginning of this message is connected with these two questions. It comes to people simply not doing what we spoke about on the first Sunday of Lent and standing in the Word of God. What is the Word of God? It is God's words to us. That is what Scripture is. And Paul talks about Scripture affirming the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And I want to declare to you today, many of you will know it, to believe it in your hearts, to proclaim it with your mouths, that there is a kingdom of God, that it is real, and that it arrived with Jesus Christ. And that wherever we declare him to be Lord, we're going to see his kingdom. 
He is the Messiah. And how do we know that he's the Messiah? We know that for a fact because he was raised from the dead. You know, if he were not raised from the dead, then all that we saw and all that we went through, through Monday, Thursday into Good Friday and the lull of Holy Saturday, it's all for nothing. See, we're looking at standing. And over the past several weeks, we have, we have been looking at standing. And I pray that, that you've been know, invigorated, that you've been in, injected with a desire to stand, to stand in the word, to, to stand in truth and in faith, to, to stand in confession and forgiveness. And to follow Christ in his footsteps, to stand in humility. To humble yourself to the point that you take on and you pick up your cross. That you deny yourself. And that you are raised to new life. We let ourselves die and God does a great thing within us. We let our desires that are ungodly die. And he does an amazing thing within us. See, to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah, as the King, not only over the world, but over the entire universe. He is the King of the cosmos. It's to state unequivocally that there is no other King. Okay? Paul's writing this so that um, people can understand that, that Jesus is Christ's power and authority. It surpasses that of Caesar. For us today, it supersedes that of any monarch. It stands higher than any republic. Because everything will subject itself to Jesus. Everything and everyone. And if they don't, what happens? They don't receive new life. That's what Paul writes about here in verse 27. For God has put all things, all things in subjection under his feet. And it is plain that this does not include the one who put all things in subjection under him. So that God may be all and in all. Everything is subject to Jesus Christ except the Father. Everything. Everything that ever was, everything that ever is now, and everything that is ever going to be. And to stand in, fact, in victory is to know this truth, to live the truth, but also to declare that truth. It is to be, as the nation of Israel was called to be, a light to all nations. But how can we do this? How can we do this if there isn't a resurrection? How can we do this if Christ has not been raised from the dead? Because if that's the case, 
nothing has changed. If there is no physical resurrection, there's nothing new. The old is still here. The new hasn't yet come. And we're reminded of that verses 20 through 26. We are sinners in need of salvation. Sin has entered into the world. How? Because Adam decided to take a bite of fruit. But we are made alive and we are justified by Christ. Adam, in taking that fruit in the garden from the tree of knowledge and good, a knowledge of good and evil, he brought sin into the world. You see, the problem in the garden, it wasn't the apple in the tree, it was the pear on the ground. Okay, Adam and Eve. And Adam took a bite of that fruit. And at that moment, sin comes into the world. But, praise God, Paul goes on and tells us that the act of Christ on the tree of Calvary gives us the opportunity to be alive, to stand in victory. The act of Christ on Good Friday, Good Friday being the best Friday that there ever has been. That's our victory shout. These three days ending in a physical resurrection. See, Christ, by being physically raised, has won the war. Yes, the battle, it still rages on because the enemy thinks that he still has a chance. But we get to say to him, dream on. You know, the full-time whistle's blown. You're done. You're lost. Get over it. See, all things, all things will be subjected to Christ. And if we don't believe this, then how can we possibly believe in a resurrection? Because what does the resurrection do? It subjects death to him. Death has been defeated. We get to gain life by calling ourselves disciples of Christ. We can say that the whole point of us declaring ourselves as Christians is to stand in victory, to stand in the resurrection. There's no point at all any of us being here today any of you watching at home, no point at all if we refuse to acknowledge the resurrection, the physical resurrection of Jesus, if we don't acknowledge that, then all hope is gone. It's lost. To think that the truth of the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ on that first Easter morning can be taken or left at our leisure 
It makes a mockery of real faith. It is to completely misunderstand what Paul is getting at in this chapter of 1 Corinthians. Because it causes not only all of the apostles, not just Paul here, but us as well of bearing false witness. Because it is to say, it is to refute God to say there is no physical resurrection. To say that he has not changed a thing. That there is no new. That things are just the same as they always have been. It is to fall into the wiles of the devil. It is to give in to the lie that we have no champion. But let's be clear, we do have a champion. And our champion is Jesus. To think or believe anything else, I said it already, is to reduce faith, to reduce the Christian faith to just a simple spirituality that can go on the bookshelf with any other New Age religion. And the sad truth, the thing that really grieves me, is that today, a day which should be full of joy, we should overwhelm us with God's love. Other people are not going to have that opportunity. They're not going to hear someone stand and talk about the true physical resurrection of Jesus. But instead, maybe hear someone say, eh, it doesn't really matter whether it was or it wasn't. That's not the point. It is the point. Let's not lose that. How can you write history without a point on your pencil? That is the point. Without that point, you can't write anything else. There's places that are allowing culture that surrounds them to dictate the good news. Instead of taking the good news and sharing it with the culture, so the culture is transformed. So don't be a tinker. Live in the truth. Believe it with your whole heart. Christ has died for you. The death has been won. Sin has been defeated. And he has risen from the grave. And he has risen from the grave so that we can shout out in praise together. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is risen. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Father, we are so 
awestruck. So thankful. The gratitude that we have, we sometimes don't even know how to share, how to speak it out to you. But, oh, the, the act of raising your son from the grave, of defeating death once and for all, of winning the battle, winning the war, so that we get to stand in that victory with you. For all here, Lord, for all watching at home, wherever and whenever they watch. Help us to stay the course. Help us to stand in the victory of the true physical resurrection. And help us share that with the the community around about us. That we transform culture. And that we do not allow culture to tinker with the good news. Because we know the good news. And the good news is that Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. In Jesus' name. Amen.